Welcome back to, to the, the Dead, Dead to the World, World podcast. I'm Lexi. I'm Mama Don. And I'm Tasha. And we welcome you. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Just dee-dee. the way I said that sounded like, and I'm Tasha. Yeehaw. I'm all <laughs> kind of like into in cowboy. What's the girl's name from Toy Story? The girl. Jessie. 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 Just like Jessie. Woody's round. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Okay. Anyway. Well, dream team, we are very excited that you're back again. And we have a episode today that I think is going to be a subject that you might find pretty cool. And you might not even have thought of it before. Yeah. And I'm excited to hear it. I mean, I only know my part, but I'm excited about what other stuff that I think is coming from other people. It's going to be good. And it's, it's different. It's a little different take on our uh, dream and, and sleep. Wait, do you want to tell them what it's about? Wait, wait, wait. Before we do that, what's that from? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Is um, it Emperor's New Groove? That's what I want to say, but I don't know if that's right. You know, we could know. almost do a drinking game on how many times you guys talk about Emperor's New Groove and, and like Gronk. It's going to be good. Kronk. Kronk. Gronk. <laughs> I guess I'm getting the Patriots. Who's Used Kronk? to be the Patriots uh, quarterback, the Gronk. I don't know. Gronkowski? No, I don't think he was yeah, a quarterback. Gronkowski. Was he he's the, the Patriots player. Yeah, but he's is not he the, anymore. I think he's a No, no he's, Tom Brady's the one who moved. Yeah, Gronk was just a different. See, obviously I don't know football. We don't know anything about football, so why are we talking about I know football? it's Gronkowski, and I know he plays for the Patriots, and I think he's a... Um, a running back, no, that, or a yeah, wide receiver, a or wide something. receiver, or something. I don't know. You know, in the grand scheme of all that, I do not care. You know what? <laughs> and Brady went to Jackson. Unpopular Florida, opinion: but. I hate the Patriots. Tosh, don't say it. Let's not start drama. We don't care about football, okay? Okay, on to our topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yes, we're talking about anesthesia. We have a hard time saying it. Anesthesia, anesthesia, anesthesia. or being anesthetized. So think about having surgery. Or something of that nature. And they put you under. They put you under. Exactly. All right. So I got my information from enwikipedia.org. I got it from piedmont.org, csahq.org, and thoughtcatalog.com. So I brought a bunch of information together. So let's talk about the definition of anesthesia. It is a state of controlled temporary loss of sensation or awareness that is induced for medical purposes. It may include some or all of analgesia, which is such a hard word. What is that? And analgesia, it's like different parts of your body that might be asleep. Okay. Uh, It says in uh, parentheses, or in, not parentheses, what is it called? Quotation? No. No, that is parentheses. No, okay, parentheses. (laughs) If you could see the hand motion she was doing, it was parentheses. <laughs> Relief from or prevention of pain. Oh, analgesia is when you have pain and then they can do some form of anesthesia to get rid of the pain. Okay. Uh, paralysis, which would be muscle relaxation and amnesia, loss of memory and unconsciousness. A person under the effects of anesthetic drugs is referred to as being anesthetized. Anesthetized. These are hard words. So, yes, we're going to. We're going to test our literary literary skills. It's not going too good. <laughs> we yeah, are, uh, two out of ten. <laughs> we are going to literally test our linguistics. Okay. Okay, sorry. Move on. So there's three types of anesthetic. There's general anesthesia, which is suppression of the central nervous system activity and results in unconsciousness and total lack of sensation using either injected or inhaled drugs. 
Uh, the second is sedation, which is suppress the central nervous system to a lesser degree, inhibiting both anxiety and creation of long-term memories without resulting in unconsciousness. And third is regional and local anesthetic, which blocks transmission of nerve impulses from a specific part of the body. Depending on the situation, this may use either on its own, in which case the person remains fully conscious, or in combination with general anesthesia or sedation. Drugs can be targeted at peripheral nerves. So like think of a spinal block if you're having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, what did they call epidural. it? Epidural. Thank you. Epidural. And, and I've never been pregnant before. <laughs> and then, or like if you're having a tooth worked on, you know, they do a block. So like the lower part of your jaw is numb. Oh, a bite so block. So think of that. A bite block is what helps you keep your mouth open. Oh, yeah. I have to have that. But what did you say was different? The- um, it's called a block. When they do, oh, like on when you have a lower cavity and the shot makes your entire quadrant numb, <gasps> like the entire That's the lower worst. jaw on either your right or left side. So today in this episode, we're focusing on the general anesthesia, which is when your entire nervous system is shut down and you are unconscious. And according to research, people do not dream while they're under general anesthesia. And there was an article I found that said you are not asleep under general anesthesia. So when you're in the hospital, you'll hear the nurse, they'll say, you know, you will be asleep for your surgery or that you're going to, or the nurse might say, oh, have some nice dreams while you go off to sleep. Well, these statements are intended to smooth, to smooth, (laughs) to soothe the patient during a stressful time. They gloss over the critical fact. Anesthesia is not like normal sleep at all. That's why you need medical doctors, which are anesthesiologists to care for you under anesthesia and why you don't need us when you are sleeping comfortably in your own bed. Comfortably in your own bed. Did you guys notice I didn't pronounce that very well? Comfortably? Comfortably. Comfortable. So natural sleep versus general anesthesia. So natural sleep represents the active, uh, though resting brain state. Every 90 minutes, the brain cycles between rapid eye movement or REM which, like I say, we've talked about a lot, and non-REM sleep. Uh, During each of these REM cycles, the brain is active and dreams take place. The rest and rejuvenation that results from getting a good night's sleep are essential for overall health and well-being. On the other hand, general anesthesia produces a brainwave pattern known as burst suppression, where brief clusters of fast waves alternate with periods of minimal activity. In a recent article published in Frontiers of Psychology by doctors Akshay Schenker and Emery Brown, explains that brainwave patterns found in patients under general anesthesia. They are similar to those of critically ill patients who have fallen into a coma, have a dangerously low body temperature, or suffer from other serious diseases. Under anesthesia, patients do not dream. Hmm, Okay. So repeat it again. So don't expect to go get a surgery done and have a wonderful dream while you're out. Which is funny because I remember I have been put under anesthesia a couple times. And every time I thought, oh, I wonder if I'm going to have weird dreams, but I would never dream. (laughs) No. And it's like you just are there and then all of a sudden you wake up again and it's like, wow, did I even really go to sleep? Yeah. Well, Who are all these people around me? (laughs) I was just going to say, well, no, you didn't go to sleep. You were made unconscious by anesthesia. Correct. You were anesthetized. All right, so confusing general anesthesia and natural sleep can be dangerous. A person who falls asleep in a natural sleep doesn't require constant monitoring or observation. A patient under anesthesia 
Now that Lexi said she was going to have a hard time saying that <laughs> Sorry. word. And now all of a sudden I'm having a hard time. Sorry. It's all good. Like an intensive care unit patient in a coma may appear peaceful and relaxed, but anesthetic drugs don't produce natural sleep and may cause breathing to stop or have other serious side effects. Legendary performing artist Michael Jackson died at home while receiving the anesthetic drug propofol in his veins without an anesthesiologist nearby to protect him. Aha. Uh-huh. So therefore... I knew that. Yeah. So just like somebody in intensive care unit, they may be intubated, which is when they put the tube down so mm-hmm. that you can get your oxygen. Yeah. That's what they do when you are having surgery to make sure that you're breathing. Well, I've heard sometimes. In my research, they said they do that if they need your muscles not to be tense to do a particular type of surgery. Yeah, and depending on which anesthetics they use. Oh, okay. It talks a little bit more later about that. Makes sense. For patients with chronic health problems, having surgery and anesthesia can put significant stress on the body. Anesthesia gases and medicines can temporarily... I saw a smile at the word gases. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm a child. Anesthesia gases and medication can temporarily decrease the heart's pumping ability and affect blood flow to the liver and kidneys. Patients under general anesthesia often need a breathing tube and a ventilator to breathe for them to support their lungs with oxygen. So respect anesthesia, but don't fear it. While having anesthesia and surgery should never be taken lightly, anesthesia care today is very safe as long as it is directed by a physician specializing in anesthesiology. An anesthesiologist. Anesthesiology is a medical specialty just like cardiology, surgery, or pediatrics. Research by anesthesiologists has led to the development of better monitors, better training, using simulation methods inspired by the aviation industry, and new medications and techniques to give safer pain relief. As a specialty, anesthesiology focuses on improving patient safety, outcomes, and experiences. An anesthesiologist works with surgeons and other specialists to get you and your family member ready for surgery. Designing an anesthesia care and pain management plan specific to the type of operation that you need. The anesthesia plan will guide your care during your procedure and throughout your recovery. While general anesthesia is far different from natural sleep, our job is to make sure that you wake up just the same. I thought that that was a cute statement. So it's like you're not technically asleep, but they still want you to wake up. Yeah. It's also wild, though, when they say, like, don't fear it. Like, I am kind of scared of it. Yeah. I've been under quite a few times. and I've done good each time. Obviously, I'm still here. Yeah. (laughs) So there's six things that they recommend you know before going under anesthesia. The idea of being sedated for surgery is understandably nerve-wracking. Will anesthesia make you confess your deepest secrets? Is it hard to wake up after surgery? Anesthesiologist John Meesinger, MD, breaks down the facts that you need to know prior to your procedure. Number one, most patients meet their anesthesiologist pre-surgery. When patients come to the hospital for their surgery, they will meet their anesthesiologist who will discuss the type of anesthesia they need for the surgery. Most people receive general anesthesia, which is the deepest form of anesthesia and will be rendered unconscious for the duration of the surgery. General anesthesia is obtained through the use of multiple medications. These medications are initially administered through an IV and are then transitioned to be inhaled anesthetics once the patient is asleep. I didn't know that. 
I guess I've never been in surgery and watched it happen. (laughs) (laughs) These medications include a sedative for relaxation, narcotics for pain reduction, and hypnotics to to decrease your awareness. So that's interesting. Hmm. Um, When the anesthesiologist meets with the patient, he or she... He or she... He or she will develop a tailored plan for that person's needs. So each patient is different in terms of what they need to give them for their anesthesia. So Mm -hmm. patients who are older and have more medical conditions often require less medication or different types of medication as compared to someone who's younger and healthier. So that's nice to know that they tailor it to who you are, not only just the procedure. Yeah, anesthesiologists have to know a lot of stuff. Yeah, they do. Uh, Patients are often concerned about the amount of medication given and how easily they will wake up from the anesthesia afterwards. It is not common for us to change medication depending on their experiences in the past to help make sure that this time they are awake and alert as soon as they can be. And I think I said, oh, did that make sense? It's not uncommon for them to change. Did I say it's not common? Yeah. Okay. It's not uncommon for them to make changes based on the person's past experience. So, and then uh, for certain procedures, anesthesiologists can use a lighter form of anesthesia called deep sedation or monitored anesthesia care. So with this type of sedation, we do not need to place a breathing tube and we can just give medications through the IV. After deep sedation, patients may recall hearing voices or briefly opening their eyes, but they are comfortable and pain-free during the procedure. So that's just a lighter uh, method of anesthesia. I think they use that when you're having like a a scope, a colonoscopy, endos- yeah, or endo- endoscopy. Yeah, endoscopy is the scope of your throat. Yes. Yeah. It sounds like the end. Something the other end. That's <laughs> I know, why. but colonoscopy is the other end. I know. It's like why didn't <laughs> they call the other end an endoscopy or endoscopy? But I guess your throat is not your colon. Yeah. What would it be? What <laughs> What is your throat called? Esophagus. Your esophagopoly. <laughs> That's just a made up word. I was trying to say colonoscopy, but with esophagus in the beginning. Good try. Yeah, no, not a good try. (laughs) All right. And finally, patients are sometimes concerned about receiving medication that might cause them to say things they regret later. It's normal to feel relaxed while receiving anesthesia, but most people don't say anything. Anesthesia. Sorry, anesthesia. (laughs) But most people don't say anything unusual. Rest assured, even if you do say something you wouldn't normally say while you're under sedation, it's always kept within the operating room. We know the patient is under extra medication, and it's not a concern at all to us. Well, I mean, honestly, it probably goes from nurse to nurse to nurse, but it stays in the hospital. All right, Tasha, I think you said you had some stuff that was a little bit similar to what I was talking about. Yeah, so I did just want to touch also, because you mentioned general anesthesia, Mm -hmm. and in regards to it being a risk, on mayoclinic.org, it says that general anesthesia is overall very safe, and most people, even those with significant health conditions, are able to undergo the anesthesia itself. It's actually the risk factors of what the actual surgery or, like, complication is that is the risk. Okay. So, so not the anesthesia more so itself. Interesting. Than being put under. Yes. And then also I wanted to bring this up because I thought this is kind of cool topic for me uh, because it does say in many hospitals, an anesthesiologist or a certified registered nurse of anesthesia, 
a CRNA work together during your procedure. Mm. And Kyle is actively working on getting accepted to a CRNA school. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. Yeah. So he, his goal, his dream, his one day within reach is to be a CRNA, a certified registered nurse of anesthesia, and he'd get a doctorate. Yeah. Well, he already Fancy. has, what, an, an associate and like two bachelors. So that's not too much of a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of cool. Like he's just a genius. It's he's fine. a genius. Yeah. Well, um, and that's partly why you guys are selling your house because there are no schools in Utah that have yes. a residency in Utah. Yes. So we'd have to be out of the state for schooling. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we're connecting all the dots. Uh, but real quick, too, they do say that, um, you know, just talk to your doctor in regards to what medications you may be taking. And because they may have you avoid certain medications, such as like aspirin or blood thinners. And then also vitamins, herbal remedies, such as ginger um kava and something i can't pronounce i think it's ginseng ginseng yeah they say may cause complications during surgery so discuss those few dietary supplements um or like vitamins and such with your doctor before you possibly have surgery so when they ask about medications make sure you mention herbal medication as well yes yep because that could come could affect your that's what i meant results yeah that's really interesting (laughs) so all right um yeah, I just wanted to touch on that before we went to Lex because, um, yeah, Lexi, on to you. <gasps> Me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm talking about something I think is super interesting, slightly terrifying at the same time. I think it's very interesting, too. I asked her to do this part. She did. So it's actually called anesthesia awareness. So I got a, the definition of anesthesia awareness from ASAHQ.com. I don't know if that's supposed to spell out something. I'm not sure what's going on there. But it says... Something headquarters. That's what HQ stands for. ASA headquarters, maybe. Okay. Oh, anyway. ASA. I had that too. Oh. It must be like an anesthesiologist like, association or something. Maybe that's what it stands for. Anesthe- Never mind. You know what? I'm not going to act like <laughs> I know things I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, it's... Like, Tosh sounded like she was saying something. She was oh, going to look it up. I was going to look it up. It's the American Society of Anesthesiologists. Uh, okay. Yeah, good guess. Okay. Well, there we go. They say the condition called anesthesia awareness or waking up during surgery means that the patient can recall their surroundings or an event related to the surgery while under general anesthesia. Although it can be upsetting, patients usually do not feel pain when experiencing anesthesia awareness. Oh, I thought they did. Oh, I thought they did too. Oh, it is a sigh of relief. I mean, they do suffer other, you know. It's like, traumatic. It's traumatic for sure. But for the most part, they don't feel very much pain. Oh, that's oh. good. Because the anesthesia is still numbing your body. Mm-hmm. So maybe when you see it in things like movies, it's like overly dramatic for like movie purposes or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, I want to say overly dramatic because I still think people who have the experience in real life, it's very traumatic. So even if it didn't hurt. Your I mean, I still like associate for pain. sure what I mean, you associate pain. I mean, I'm going to get into it, but okay. I mean, I'd probably sue the hospital. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I totally get why they do that because it's probably a very traumatic experience. Yeah. Um. So I found an article from CNN called Patients Who Wake Up During Surgery. So I'm going to read some of that. So it says, I was awake but paralyzed, says Carol Weiher, as she recalls undergoing eye surgery in 1998. She said, I could hear the surgeon telling his trainee to cut deeper into the eye. I was screaming, but no one could hear me. I felt no pain, just a tugging sensation. I tried to move my toes or even push myself off the operating table, but I couldn't move. I thought that I was dying. Holy crap. Wouldn't you not want to move? 
Yeah, but they're trying to alert, alert the doctor. Them. Well, I understand awake. that. I feel like, okay, let me clarify what I'm trying to say. Because I 100% would also try to, like, notify somebody. I'm mm-hmm. not saying they can't do that. I'm just saying, like, that's also a scary territory because what if you move really fast or do something while they've got a freaking blade to your eye that's or true. wherever? That could cause some serious damage. Yeah. It could. But I think a part of it, too, is you, I'm sure, being under the anesthesia and waking up. Like, if anyone has been under it, when you wake up, you're kind of out. Like, yeah, you're I there, but you're confused. not there. Like, you're kind of confused. Like you know what I mean? sleepwalk. Yeah. So I don't think it's, like a completely thought through decision it's like oh i'm in surgery and i'm waking up like somebody someone help. help me yeah well it just reminded me i mean i've had lasik and you are awake for that mm-hmm. but for me it was still traumatizing yeah so oh after i heard about like that 10 like, times worse never mind i don't want to get lasik anymore so they said the rest in virginia resident so that's um carol i believe her name was yeah that they were talking was telling her story the Ruston, Virginia resident inadvertently woke up during surgery and infrequent phenomenon called accidental awareness during general anesthesia. She's been struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder ever since. I've had to sleep in a recliner for the last 16 years, she said. If I lie flat, I get flashbacks of the operating table and I start violently thrashing. Oh my gosh. She said, fortunately, anesthetic awareness is rare, but new research is shedding light onto risk factors and the devastating psychological effects the phenomenon can have on patients who experience it, especially those who are awake but paralyzed. So not everyone is paralyzed. Yeah. It kind of depends on, you know, how you react to it. Yeah. It'd be like sleep paralysis, but real. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like for, for sure real. Yeah. Wow. So it says, according to the largest study of its kind recently published in the Journal of Anesthesia, in which researchers surveyed more than 3 million patients who received general anesthesia in the United Kingdom and Ireland, roughly 1 in 19,600 patients accidentally wakes up during surgery. So at least it's not a high percentage. Mm -hmm. It says previous studies in the United States reported a a far higher rate of 1 in 1,000 surgical patients. So in the United States, it's higher. Oh, boy. I wonder why that is. I don't know. It says, however, cases of anesthetic awareness in the new study were reported voluntarily by patients, which could misrepresent a true number. So they didn't have actual proof. They just said it happened to them. So, so it wasn't like the hospital saying yeah, this so is how many people. Not that they're lying, event. but we also, you know, it's not proven. Researchers did find that certain surgeries requiring lighter anesthesia, like emergency C-sections, carried a higher risk, a rate of 1 in 670. Okay. Which, I mean, makes sense. If it's lighter anesthesia, it does you're more sense. likely to wake up. Um, most incidents of anesthetic awareness occurred among patients who had received paralytics. I think I'm saying that correctly, right? So it's a type of medication? Yeah, as part of their anesthetic cocktail. Presumably since they couldn't move to alert doctors to the fact that they were regaining consciousness. So they think that specific thing that they put in it is what makes you paralyzed. Well, that sounds like a paralysis medication. So it does. that's what it is. Contrary to folklore, awareness was most likely to occur when patients were being put to sleep before surgery started or after the surgery had ended, not when the surgeon was actually operating. Well, that's good. So they either just didn't fall asleep as fast as they maybe thought they would or they woke up earlier than they thought they would, but they weren't, you know, currently like in them in any way. Um, Patients described a range of sensations, including choking, paralysis, pain, hallucinations, and near-death experiences. Most episodes were short-lived with 75% of them lasting under five minutes. Oh, good. Well, it makes sense that they would have the choking because if they were intubated. Mm-hmm. It says, despite this, nearly half of all patients who were conscious during surgery had long-term psychological consequences such as PTSD and depression, which I think totally makes sense. It does. I totally agree. 
Among the symptoms experienced during the event, paralysis was the most distressing to patients, more so than pain, says Professor Jaideep Pantit, consultant anesthesist at Oxford University Hospitals and lead author of the study. And he said, paralysis is terrifying and has never been experienced by most people. So I guess that's true because not very many people experience sleep paralysis mm-hmm. either. So or, thankful. you know, real life paralysis. Yeah. So thankful to not have experienced this. Me too. Knock on wood. In the United States, more than 21 million patients receive general anesthesia. Experts estimate that roughly 26,000 of these patients experience anesthetic awareness. Even if we applied the relatively low rate found in this new study, at least 1,000 Americans each year would still wake up during surgery. And um, Dr. Daniel Cole, vice president of the American Society of Anesthesiologists, says even one is too many. I'm glad he feels that way. Yeah. So the article continues to say general anesthesia involves a drug con- concoction. Con- why did I say that so weird? I don't know. Concoction. <laughs> it's like a drug cocktail. Cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that out if you want. Keep going. General anesthesia involves a drug concoction that renders you unconscious, takes away your pain, and induces amnesia. A paralytic. Uh, <laughs> a paralytic. <laughs> I was trying to say that drug, the thing that they put it in again. A paralytic okay. is often added to ease the insertion of a breathing tube, preventing patients from moving, and allow surgeons to operate in areas that are inaccessible when muscles are tense. So that helps them do the incubation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anesthetic awareness occurs when the amount of anesthesia is insufficient to suppress human consciousness, and cer- certain surgeries where lower doses of anesthesia are required carry a h- higher risk, as they mentioned earlier. Emergency C-sections, for instance, necessitate lower doses of anesthetic to prevent harm to the baby. Lower doses are required also during cardiac and emergency trauma surgeries, since large doses could push the medically fragile patients over the edge. That makes perfect sense. But anesthetic awareness really becomes an issue when paralytics are used, Pandit says, since patients can't move to let doctors know they're regaining consciousness. Doctors must instead rely on subtle, often unreliable methods of monitoring consciousness. For instance, increases in heart rate and blood pressure may signal to doctors that a patient is stressed and possibly awake. But drugs given before or during the operation could block the body's stress response. Although doctors continuously measure the level of anesthetic gas in a patient's lungs to ensure appropriate dosage, the gas may affect each person differently. Just like all medications. Yep. So brain monitors, which track electrical activity in the brain, have been touted as potential solution to the problem. Doctors can use monitors to keep brain activity below a certain threshold during surgery, but some studies have shown a benefit, while others have shown no reduction in the rate of anesthetic awareness when brain monitors are used. This uncertainty has prevented the widespread implantation of brain monitors across the United States and has led the ASA to recommend that the monitors only be used on a case-to-case basis in high-risk patients. Interesting. So it seems like right now they're only used if you're having another surgery after you already know what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I imagine they're probably very expensive machines. And so if they haven't been proven to really work, that makes sense that they wouldn't just be widespread use. Mm Mm-hmm. So it says, without foolproof methods of assessing consciousness in paralyzed patients, it's inevitable that some cases of anesthetic awareness are only recognized after surgery once the patient can communicate what happened. Still, more can be done to prevent anesthetic awareness, says the doctor of the study. Mm-hmm. Nerve simulators, which measure, measure the extent of paralysis, should be used throughout the surgery to ensure that doctors only use the minimum amount of paral- paralytic required. 
This should still give patients the ability to move if they start to wake up. And then also educating patients about anesthetic awareness prior to surgery is crucial. Patients who were told about awareness before surgery were prepared and not just stressed when they experienced it. Which I think is interesting because I really don't think I've ever... The first time I heard about this was watching Grey's Anatomy and it traumatized me. Yeah, I've never been like educated or told about it going into a surgery. Yeah, especially by a doctor. I don't remember if I was told about it at the hospital or if I just read about it online or maybe Grey's Anatomy too. I don't know. So it says, um, Dr. Cole recommends that doctors discuss the possibility of awareness only with patients who are high risk or if the patients raise a question about the topic. So they don't just talk to everyone about it. Well, they don't want to put it in their brain Brain, that it could happen. I mean, literally this like is a nightmare, like a real life nightmare. Mm -hmm. Agreed. There's a concerted effort, concerted effort. You got it, concerted. Okay. There's a concerted effort to educate doctors as well. Education about anesthetic awareness is a mandatory part of residency training, board certification, and annual meetings. The ASA also maintains a database of all awareness cases to allow doctors to better understand what went wrong. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, so it sounds like the hospitals are taking a little bit more interest in making sure to prevent yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So when anesthetic awareness does occur, doctors need to be more proactive in supporting patients. We can't dismiss the concerns of the patients. We need to offer immediate treatment to avoid long-term psychological harm. Patients like Kristen, whose six-year-old son experienced anesthetic awareness when he underwent tonsil surgery four years ago, couldn't agree more. Kristen lives in New York but didn't want to disclose the family's last name to protect her son's privacy. The surgery went as planned, Kristen says, but after leaving the hospital, it became clear that something was wrong. Our son's behavior was very odd, and he had severe separation anxiety. Kristen took her son to multiple therapists, all of who attributed her son's behavior behavior to being a difficult child. It was a year later when Kristen and her husband, a neurosurgeon, sorry, and a neurosurgeon, I'm assuming is what it meant to say, got to the bottom of what had happened. Our son began to speak about his experience of being awake during surgery. He remembered that the surgeon looked like the sensation of the surgery itself. That's what her son described it as. Huh. So her son was particularly distressed by the memory of being unable to move. Therapists were bewildered that Kristen's son, who now suffers from PTSD, had such vivid memories of the surgery. He had nightmares, flashbacks, and extreme anxiety from triggers in everyday life. Kristen says this has been a life-altering event for us. Anesthetic awareness is a myth, Kristen says. If it weren't for the fact that my husband was a doctor, I'm not sure we'd have realized what happened to our son or received the support that we did. Oh, so her husband is a neurosurgeon. Just a doctor, she said. A doctor. Oh, I thought you said earlier something Uh, about her and a neurosurgeon. Well, the neurosurgeon helped them figure out that that's what had happened. Okay. But it wasn't her husband. Okay. It was just a a neurosurgeon. So anesthetic... Oh, I'm starting the same thing again. (laughs) So for Carol, who mentioned earlier in the story, the eye surgery patient, early support could have made all the difference for her. Um, None of the doctors thought it was a big deal. My anesthesiologist. My My anesthesiologist. That's not what it says. It says my anesthesiologist. Oh, it's anesthesiologist. You fix it. It's a direct quote. You don't fix direct quotes, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. Okay, so her anesthesiologist. A theologist told her, at least you weren't hurt, so don't worry. Oh, what a jerk. Yeah. Or, I mean, I, jerk sounds like it's a man. What would you say? What a bitch. <laughs> a girl can say... be a jerk. Okay. <laughs> 
So then it says, to end it off, we place so much emphasis on PTSD among our veterans who witness death on the battlefield, but many patients with anesthetic awareness have near-death experiences and feel they have died over and over again. Where is their support? Oh, that's so sad. So yeah, I mean, I'm glad that they are doing more to educate people about it and educate doctors about it, but it's sad to think of all the people... I mean, I'm, I'm sure especially in older days that experienced this, that really didn't get any support for it. Yeah, it's like, what or are you they were like, about? that doesn't happen. Or like Carol, when he literally said, well, you didn't, you weren't hurt. So get over it, basically. I'm in like, my opinion, hmm. that would just be the doctor trying to cover its own butt. Yeah. Like when you get in an accident with someone, you're like, well, your car's fine and my car's fine and you're fine. So we're all good. You know, it's like, yeah. well, you didn't get hurt. So keep your mouth shut almost. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully nowadays where it's, more talked about they've you know i wonder if that's part of like their i wonder if the doctor pays for that the anesthesiologist or like pays for oh like like therapy or something oh Oh, i mean i feel like legally liable yeah they should be required to all right but But then again they could have done everything right and you still woke up that's true so it's hard to say whether that's maybe it's not technically anyone's fault you just didn't have the reaction to it that they expected you to have. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that they might not have been able to stop it, but definitely terrifying. And I would never want to experience it. Me either. Um, and we're sorry if you have. And I hope if you have, you're getting support that you need to kind of work through it. Or if you need support, email us. Yeah. We'll yeah. emotionally support you, but we are not qualified or trained. So. I would also recommend reaching out to someone who is. <laughs> We're not experts, but, you know, and if you want your story told, that's the thing. If you want, if you have something you want other people to be aware of, we are more than happy to be that platform for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's my story for today. Okay. Well, I think both uh, Tasha and I have a, some stories. So how Tasha They're meant, not really stories. They're more like quotes. They're quotes of like from people who yes. have been either under, just funny hospital things, basically. And so when Tasha said that stuff from the operating room might get talked about around the hospital, this is kind of that stuff a little bit. So do you want me to start or do you want to start? You start. Okay. So it happened today. A patient has broke, had a broken ankle that was fixed and was coming out of anesthesia when he was being wheeled out. The anesthesiologist accidentally hit the door frame on the way out. Patient, did you just do surgery on my leg? Anesthesiologist. Yes, you just had surgery and are waking up from it. Patient, then why are you running into things? <laughs> He's like, you Savage. dumb doctor. <gasps> yeah. So he was, he was wondering if this anesthesiologist took some of his own stuff. Um, the next one. When I went in for my gallbladder surgery, the nurse was an old co-worker and I blurted out on the table, I knew you'd see me naked before I was out. <laughs> because you aren't wearing clothes when you go in for surgery. I guess that's true. You wear a little gown. Well, and then I think they even take that off. So if they have to do any type of re... What's it? So when I got my tonsils out, they took my gown off? I think that they do. I think so that... Or they... I mean, they cover like everything with like those drapes and stuff, but I'm pretty sure they take off your... Interesting. Other stuff so that if they have to do... Yeah, like CPR CPR or something. something, Yeah. yeah, That stuff's not in the way. So it's really for your protection, but it does seem odd. So, uh, let's see. So, when I was giving birth, I was pretty out of it. The radio was playing in the operating room, and Uncle Cracker came on. I apparently yelled, I am not bringing my child into the world to this shit. (laughs) They turned off the radio. (laughs) 
me coming out of having my wisdom teeth out. So how long until the anesthetic kicks in? Oh, your surgery is done already. Already? Man, that was fast. Well, it's been two hours. Whoa, did I just time travel? It's like, no, you're just a little confused. (laughs) You're just confused. I don't know if you think about it, though. It kind of is like time travel. When they put you under, you don't remember anything. It's just like one second you're there and one second you're not. Yeah, it's pretty weird. And then uh, the last one. Before my emergency appendectomy and right as they wheeled me away, I grabbed my husband and said very loudly, don't forget to tell them our backup plan. If shit goes south, I want my legs and arms removed so you can carry me around in a backpack. The student doctor accidentally wheeled me into the wall because he was laughing so hard. Oh, that's funny. So they give you, you know, before they take you into surgery, they give you stuff to calm you down and get you all ready. So you're kind of drugged up already. Yeah. All right, Tasha, on to you. Okay, so I only have four. First one says, when I was about to go out for surgery, they were strapping me down and told me it was so that I didn't fall off the table. My last words were, it's okay, five-second rule. (laughs) I didn't get that one. Like when you drop food on the ground, five-second rule, you can pick it back up and eat it. Not an anesthesiologist, but I was a tech. I had a patient wake up violently. When he came to, he said, sorry, I thought I was a shark. (laughs) He thought he was a shark? Yeah. And then this one says, two of my favorites, both patients coming out of anesthesia. Am I in hell? I responded, no, you're not. You're just in recovery. Well, that sounds like something the devil would say. Count backwards from 10 to prove it. (laughs) And the other one was, or the one who stroked my unshaved arm while I was trying to keep him from pulling out his IV. And he muttered, you'd make a great carpet. (laughs) Because of the hair. Yeah. And then this is my last one that I have. Nurse Anastas here. When I was in school, I was getting ready to get a lady off to sleep and going through my regular spiel. I had the mask on her face and I said, nice big breaths. As I pushed Profofol... Right before she went out, she said, thanks, I just had them done. (laughs) I looked at my prospector, who looked at the circulator, who then we looked at me, and we all bust out laughing. Now I say slow, deep breaths instead. I love telling that story. That lady made our day. (laughs) That's funny. That's really funny. I got. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Is that funny? Thanks, I just got them done. She passes out. She's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, this was very enlightening. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. And as always, share us your stories. We kind of already talked about that already, but dead to the world podcast. Dead to the world podcast (laughs) at gmail.com. Correct. And make sure you follow us on all of our social media and all of our usernames are just dead to the world podcast. Please rate and review us. You know where. And join us next time to find out what happens when we are dead to the world. world.